Werewolves, a thing of nightmares and campfire stories, right? Maybe not. Join us for the second episode in the Foolish Wanderers Spooktober series, Bill Ramsey, the real-life werewolf. have a special drink of choice today i don't i mean i can fr- i don't i don't i don't know no you don't have to make something or grab something this way i could sip it is freezing in here i could sip on something i could sip on absinthe <laughs> do you know what absinthe is so it's like an insane alcohol it, yeah it used to be made out of um this type of roots in this tree I don't know okay. if it's an absinthe, absinthe tree. I assume so. Probably, but yeah. it's such a high alcohol content. It used to be that people mm. would see like fairies. <laughs> don't you like drip it over like a sugar cube or something? Yeah, so you pour it. You have a spoon for it. You then pour it over the spoon and then it goes onto a sugar cube. But okay. I've drank it straight before, so <laughs> I think all the sugar cubes that we have are um, expired. Does sugar expire, though? I mean, I think it does. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. I wouldn't trust something that's been sitting for how many years just, like, not that's being true. used. That's for, fair. Especially if I'm going to consume it. Like, Tylenol technically expires. Okay, so you... So original absinthe was made by soaking wormwood leaves in wine or spirits. You see the spirits. <laughs> I have a so this might sound gross but it's actually delicious a pumpkin spice hot chocolate huh it's a, it tastes like cinnamon hot chocolate it's really good it's Swiss Miss it's oh really it's Swiss Miss Swiss Miss I remember there was a Swiss Miss factory <laughs> in the city that we went to college in mm-hmm and we had for my and yours our uh, what the hell is it called? What the hell is it called? <laughs> Sorry, it's a Monday. Is it a class? My major, your major oh, requirements yeah. for your major was to take a cam a photography class. Mm-hmm. And one of our assignments, we just had to take pictures around town. But, I mean, there was more to doing the assignment, you know, color balance, the um, the composition should look nice, stuff like that. Somebody took a picture of just, like, the Swiss Miss factory. <laughs> yeah. And our professor, who is a vi- who was, like, a really um, stern, hard-to-impress little Italian man that drove, like, a little um, Alfa Romeo car, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he looked at... Th- it was really dead silence in the class. He looked at the picture and he went, oh, lovely, the Swiss Piss Factory. And then he went next and then <laughs> and I then just so bored went to the next happened. student's work. Oh, that that's just like, like people don't 
like I think the stereotype for like an art st- like art classes are that you like stand around and like I don't know it's all like hippy dippy like peace and love and all this other stuff mm-hmm. and it's mostly just like breaking down your ego <laughs> and other yeah. people's egos around you so that's really what it is it's hurting people's feelings over and over and over and over again until your skin is like super tough yeah you get punched in the gut enough and you get abs and then you go (laughs) oh fun times but that one stuck with me because i thought that i laughed (laughs) i felt so bad that would be like the worst feeling especially if it's like the first assignment oh it wasn't oh okay i think it was like second okay yeah Oh, that absinthe is awful. Did you wait? You actually have some with you? Yeah. Oh, I I didn't see you leave. You just just bring it out like I'm swinging from the giant bottle of absinthe. Well, I don't have a sugar cube, and I don't really remember what happened to the spoon. Uh, okay. Mister Kendra <laughs> bought this bottle because it it was marketed as like a Van Gogh absinthe. Oh, okay. So, like, the packaging was really cool. Oh, I have good. no idea if Vincent Van Gogh drank absinthe. I have no clue. <laughs> okay. Don't know. But, yeah, and it came with a little Van Gogh spoon. Oh, nice. Yeah, but don't know what happened to it. Oh, well. So, now it just sits up on our liquor shelf. What does it taste like? Um, It tastes like lighter fluid and black licorice. Delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what, how I would describe it to anyone that wants to try absinthe <laughs> so like if you really need something this you- I would use this to like sterilize a wound <laughs> before <laughs> I would like voluntarily drink it but you just did though I don't have any wounds to sterilize <laughs> and it's spooktober so there this is go. my best option so we get absinthe Yep, that's, that's, yep, absinthe is the spooktober drink number two. <laughs> I'd rather take that old-fashioned with chlorophyll. Yeah, that looks pretty nice right now. So if Kendra starts seeing fairies or werewolves walking around her apartment, you know why. Hey, Wanders, welcome back to another Foolish Wanders podcast, the podcast about anything and everything. Today is episode two of our Spooktober series, 2022. So today we're going to be talking about Bill Ramsey, otherwise known as the possible real-life werewolf. Wow. You sound that's, so enthused. It's like, I don't know, it's just such, that's quite the nickname. Yeah. Possibly well, the, maybe, real-life werewolf. Could be. Could be. It's like possession or werewolf. Oh. Yeah. I'd rather be, I don't know, a werewolf, I guess? Yeah. And possessed? Yeah. Or is it one and the same? Some people like kind of compare it to be one and the same because you're possessed Ooh. by a wolf. Oh, wow. That's deep. That's deep for a Monday. <laughs> deep thoughts. Deep for deep a Monday thoughts. night at like mm-hmm. 730. Uh-huh. Oh. Shall we get into it as you start sipping on your absinthe? <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it getting better with age? It's getting better the more you drink it. <laughs> oh, no. All that's right. for sure. Okay. That's good. All right, so let's get into the early start of Bill Ramsey's Bill Ramsey's unfortunate. People, some people call it possession. So William or Bill, Bill We're for short. We're calling him Bill. I'm calling him Bill. Yes. Okay. Yep. So Bill Ramsey was born in the Essex seaside town of Southend. His life as a part-time werewolf started at the <laughs> age. 
Okay, so this so this article that Why I Why did you <gasps> Part-time so... werewolf? Wow, part-time not full-time werewolf. yet? Nope, didn't graduate to full-time yet. Okay. Nope, still getting work part-time. Work your way up, okay? Mm-hmm. Got to work your way up. Yep. Climb, climb that corporate ladder. ladder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So most of this uh information came from paranorms.com. They had a pretty in-depth um article about him. So this is where most of this came from, in case you're curious. I'll leave leave links to um, the articles and I actually found a video of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Who are those? Okay, so let me get their definition. Their wiki page. So Ed and Lorraine Warren. That more spooky sounds. We need to do that too. (laughs) Again. Google wiki. Okay, so Ed and Lorraine Warren, according to Wikipedia, um, were American paranormal investigators and authors um and i think they also had a tv show um because i'll leave a link to one of the youtube videos of, like their interview they did about like how they found bill ramsey and like went to actually exercise like give him have him like go through an exorcism they tried, so they to, help tried him. to help him they did yes okay yep. we'll get to that eventually but yeah so ed and lorraine warren are probably the most well-known ghost investigators um, their names are pretty synonymous with it. They've done things like they've investigated Annabelle, the doll, um, Amityville, um, the Enfield poltergeist. Yeah, so basically just like all these huge paranormal sites. They've went and investigated and they travel all around and like investigate paranormal sites and houses okay. and things. Cool. So it's not their first spooky rodeo. No. They're actually they've been there, done that, got the t shirt. Okay. Yep. Yep. We'll actually we'll get into their side of the story a little bit later, but um, they were in London at one point for a different trip for like a different reason. And then um, they heard about Bill and they're like, we need to help him. <laughs> so we'll get into like kind of like how they helped him and stuff eventually. So. All right. Let's get into it. I'm kind of, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. All right. So one Sunday evening in 1952, when Bill was outside in his backyard, he began to feel strange. <laughs> so don't I, we all on a sunday evening because we know that monday's coming and it's fair. either work or school yeah it's not the it's it's like the a end of the weekend yeah. yeah the weekend yeah. of happiness is dying inside of you and that's why you feel strange well just mm-hmm. for me but i guess bill there might be another reason <laughs> yep yep he doesn't want to go to school okay so all of a sudden, an icy blast of frigid cold swept over him. He began to sweat, and a foul stench came close to making him vomit. Ugh. So, it's just like this horrendous odor. Um, at the time, he was close to the garden fence, and the calls of his mother brought him out of whatever was, like, taking control of his brain. Like, he was kind of in a daze a little bit when this all happened all of a sudden, and his mom calling to him... Snapped, snapped him out of it. So, intense and pure rage all of a sudden took over him using this and the adrenaline fueled strength he now possessed he uprooted a cemented fence post with the fence still attached so it's like a chicken wire fence with these cemented in fence posts he ripped one as a nine-year-old ripped one out of the ground and started swinging it like a club wow (laughs) so yep so not even his parents could easily remove the post with their bare hands so this nine-year-old against two parents. He's been working out. <laughs> yep, he's, he's in the gym every day. Juicing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then, okay. So after his parents tried to get it away from him, Bill then placed the wire, the chicken wire, into his mouth and began gnawing at it. Oh, Plus, it's like Inca. <laughs> is Inca a werewolf? Does she have issues? She looks like one. <laughs> she does. She's just a miniature version. She's a toy werewolf. Oh, cute. Instead of a toy poodle, it's a toy werewolf. Yeah, teacup mm-hmm. werewolf. Yep. yep. 
So then the cold sensations returned and a low growl emanated deep within him. So after this, both of his parents ran back inside, leaving Bill alone outside. So just like a man and their kid chewing on chicken wire. So then both of his parents remained inside the house until it was apparent that their son had calmed down. So parents after this, of the year. Yep. But what are you going to like at this point? If you can't get a fence post away from a nine-year-old, I'm kind of, I'd be afraid, but. I mean, I'd be afraid too. I'd probably faint. So I'd still be out there. So I still get brown. I, I would still get points. I'm still with my kid. I'm unconscious. Yeah. But I'm so, still with them. I didn't run away. So. Okay. I didn't back down. I just, you know, fell down and passed out. So that's it. Okay. All right. So for nearly 15 years after that terrifying, terrifying incident, Bill was back to normal. So no more. For 15 years, he didn't have any more violent outbursts. Did his parents, like, bring him to a, a doctor or... I didn't see anything about that. I don't think so. They just went, huh, that's m- just what nine-year-olds get up to, so... Yep. I'm just gonna let him calm down, and then he, he can come in later for supper. He just had, it's like, fine. a weird hulkish temper tantrum, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, yep, that's what happens to re- all nine-year-old children. Oh, yeah, it's completely normal. Uh-huh. Terrible twos and then the horrendous nines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, werewolf nines. <laughs> For 15 years, his life pretty much was back to normal. So he grew up, got married, and even had with his wife three three children. He was a lo- very loving father. And everyone that like basically knew him knew him as a very kind gentleman and very good father. So He did, however, have, a ho- have horrible nightmares throughout the first two years of his marriage. So each dream was the same and the results of the dreams ended up identical as well. So Bill always woke in a cold sweat and was overwhelmed by feelings of dread and unease. So he'd always like wake up super quickly and be freaked out all the time. And then in his dream, he was always a few steps behind his wife who would then turn to face him and run away in extreme terror. Like she was afraid of him. Mm-hmm. So in 1967, the nightmares ended. 18 months later, Bill woke up one night to hear that what he thought was panting of a wild animal somewhere in his bedroom. He did in fact hear a creature. It was himself. So he was panting in the darkness of his bedroom. <laughs> so far, it just sounds like a really bad anxiety disorder. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So once again, there was a lull in activity for about 15 years. So there's like a weird 15-year period thing that keeps going on and off with him. So fast forward to 1983, Bill was out with some friends at a local pub. After several drinks, Bill began to feel the same icy chills that he felt when he was nine years old. He made an excuse and headed to the restroom, where once there, he checked himself in the mirror and saw a werewolf looking back at him. Ooh, it's like the thrill. It's like the thriller vi- music video. Okay. <laughs> yep. Nope. So this is nothing compared to what was to happen on the way home. So this is where things kind of get even creepier. All right. So during the car ride home and without any warning, Bill began to growl and immediately turned to his fellow passenger, both of his hands twisted into claws as he tried to bite the leg of his friend. The driver didn't panic. Rather, he brought the car to a stop and tried to get Bill out of the back of the car. It took several minutes and quite a bit of effort to finally get Bill out of the car. By now, the frenzy, by then, the frenzy had dissipated. So he turned to the person sitting next to him, grabbed him, and tried to bite his leg. Just a normal Tuesday, you know? The nine-year-old one scare- is scarier. Is it? Well, I guess. Yeah, because you're I pulling your friend's posts out. Yeah. It's like a weird feat of... I don't know. It's, like, it's Maybe it's because it's like a creepy feat of strength. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Both aren't good, but yeah. <laughs> see, and yeah. him like biting somebody, like leaving a pub, I would just think that he was really 
drunk and enraged, I guess. I don't know. He just drank a whole bottle of absinthe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yep. what's going to happen to nice, me. <laughs> you saw a nice turkey leg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So shortly before Christmas of 1983, Bill began to suffer from chest pains and thoughts immediately turned to a possible heart attack. Bill checked himself into the emergency room of the local hospital and was halfway through a blood pressure exam when he sank his teeth into the arm of the nurse. Oh. Yeah. So this is the same year as the leg biting. So things are ramping up. Mm -hmm. He then ran through the ward almost like he was possessed by something. Witnesses later said that Bill had hunched shoulders, both hands had curled into talons or claws, and his lips were barred like a rabid animal. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So anyone that tried to approach him was knocked down easily with almost superhuman strength. So it took quite a few people to finally subdue the rampaging man. A police officer finally managed to place handcuffs around Bill's wrists. However, this was not sufficient, and a tranquilizer was used to finally subdue him. So even though, like, a bunch of people were on top of him in handcuffs, he's still thrashing around and, like, Mm -hmm. trying to break free. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the following morning, after the tranquilizer had worn off and a hearty breakfast, the attending doctor listened to the whole story and recommended that Bill remains under observation. So, so like, not a mental hospital, but, like, we're going to watch you. So Bill, however, was a voluntary patient at the time and was fully entitled to check himself out. Mm -hmm. And so he did. But within two months, he was back. Okay. So in January... So in January 1984, Bill had just finished a visit with his mother when he began to feel an attack coming on. He made it to the same hospital on the same terms of his previous visit. Uh, The attending nurse was alone with Bill in the emergency room and feared for her life. She told Bill that she was going to find a doctor. Bill then turned to the side and lunged for the orderly. So it's not quite a nurse, but someone that like helps do basically mm-hmm. helps the nurses everything. So yeah, so that's who he tried to go after next was the orderly. So four police officers happened to be outside at this time and immediately entered the hospital and circled Bill. They had a standoff for a few seconds until Bill began snarling and growling on all fours. Jeez. <laughs> So the policeman policeman advanced on Bill, who defended himself. One of the four police officers suffered wounds so severe that he ended up in the hospital for another four days. Oh my goodness, was he just biting and scratching him? Yeah, something like that, yeah. He's just acting like a wild animal? Yeah, pretty much, yep. Mm-hmm. So all four managed to handcuff Bill again. The short walk to the, to the waiting squad car went off without any incident. At that time, Bill had seemingly went back to normal, so like somehow came to and like was completely fine with going does he remember what happens like i have to watch the interview again i don't think so i think it just kind of like zones out yeah so when he arrived at the local police station they immediately summoned the police surgeon bill considered the suggestion of checking himself into a mental institution but decided against it which at this point i would because like you're hurting people and this is something you need to figure out yeah like, you kind of need to go, my you guy. kind of ignore it. or Ignoring it obviously doesn't help. Yeah. It keeps coming back, especially mm-hmm. all these incidences in such a short amount of time. Yeah. So, citing the stigma that he might... Oh, wait. Hold on. Sorry. Oh. Police surgeon? What is, mm-hmm. what, what is that? Um, I think it's like Isn't a... It, shouldn't doctor. it be sergeant? Uh, I think it's like a medical. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, in the UK, police surgeons provide medical care and undertake examina so uh, basically it's somebody in the police station that examines somebody for like any medical issues basically interesting okay yeah i don't think we have such a thing here i let me google sounds like it's just a european thing yeah 
I mean, obviously, like, police officers are trained in, like, they should be trained in, like, emergency, like, first aid stuff, like, basic. Mm -hmm. And then we have EMTs. Oh, I think, well, there's at least one in New York, it says. Mm. Office of the Supervising Chief Surgeon in NYPD. So, hmm. I suppose in, like, bigger bureaus, I suppose, they might have somebody. Yeah. Basically, they take care of medical stuff, so. Cool. Okay, so basically after Bill said no to accepting the help or going to the mental institution, he was released because he was in- apparently in control and rational. But didn't he injure so, that police officer? Yeah, bad oh. enough to be in the hospital for four days. So Yep, just let him go free. Yep. <laughs> Good judgment. Mm-hmm. In the summer of 1987, Bill was back at the police station. This time, however, he was much more normal. Having made a citizen's arrest to a local teenage prostitute, he drove her to the station. Oh, <laughs> that seems suspect. It kind of does. Yeah. Obviously, I don't know the true story, but that just kind of seems suspect. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Sure, Bill. Sure. So the second that he parked his car, she fled into the station. Bill once again felt, felt the now familiar sensations surging from the middle of his chest. So the cold sweats, all mm-hmm. the stuff. As a policeman approached the car. So the officer, considerably bigger than Bill, started to question him and made the mistake of gently touching Bill's arm. Bill then all of a sudden felt the werewolf come on, basically. <laughs> the wolf within him took immediate hold of Bill, and the officer is thrown onto the ground and was having the life choked out of him until help finally came. So this guy, this bigger than Bill police officer, was being attacked by Bill. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Bill was so wild, it was said that it took a dozen policemen to hold him down and two injections of tranquilizers to finally restrain him. All right, is this time... Is this the time that he's going to have to, like, go through some actual tests? Or is he going to be able to... Yep. So for the next 10 days, countless MRIs, x-rays, and psychiatric tests were performed on Bill. Mm -hmm. They could not, however, determine what was wrong with him. (laughs) They have to have theories. Oh, I'm sure they did, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, some sort of, like, hormone imbalance or something, yeah. Like, that's their their theory? Oh, I don't... I didn't see their theories, but that's, Oh. To me, that'd be... Make most sense. Like, some sort of, like, hormone or, like, chemical imbalance in your brain. Like, makes you snap. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's just, like, the worst anxiety I've ever heard in my entire life. (laughs) So if you have really bad anxiety, you're gonna, like, act like a rabid animal? Well, that's kind of... I don't know. That's, like, putting it... I don't know. It's your mind... Well, he has, like, this human... Like, this superhuman strength, Mm -hmm. sort of. And it reminds me of stories when a car or something, like, falls on a baby. And then the baby's Mm -hmm. mother is able to lift the car up. Isn't that adrenaline, though? Yeah, but, like, you get adrenaline rush when you have like anxiety okay fair so maybe he goes into some sort of like i mean i have no idea there's obviously (laughs) probably theories out there that you know way more educated than mine All right, so now enter Ed and Lorraine Warren. So during this time, American demonologists, as they're called, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren were in London for a trip. Bill's story appeared on a television show at the time of their stay. Lorraine immediately considered that Bill was being possessed and got in touch with the South End on Sea Police Station. After talking with both sides, the Warrens obtained the opportunity to talk to the Ramses. So the Warrens negotiated with Bill and finally convinced him to come to their church in Connecticut and undergo an exorcism with their own specialist, Bishop Robert McKenna. Bill agreed and made the trip with his wife in 1989. A tabloid newspaper, The People, sponsored the trip. The night before the exorcism was due to take place, Bill tried to strangle his wife while she slept. When the exorcism actually began, Bill was not at all impressed. (laughs) 
The service was being conducted in Latin, and for the half an hour, nothing happened. Bill then took on an entirely different appearance. His face contorted, and both of his hands formed claws. McKenna commanded the demon to leave, and the full force of the werewolf fury descended on McKenna, one time, and disappeared for good. The whole event was actually recorded on film, too, so there's actually video evidence of this happening. Of this? <laughs> Did you watch it? I watch like little clips, but it, it honestly gives me the creeps. So I is didn't it watch creepy? It's just like describe what's happening. Okay, I have to watch it again. But like the claws kind of thing, it's like his hands are just like contorting. It's not yeah. like nails shooting out like actual dog claws. Um, and his face does kind of like contort, but it's just kind of like a like a pain kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. okay. So it's like I don't know. It's it's odd. I, again, I didn't watch the full thing because it creeps me out. But that's kind of what I just saw. And I do have like a still image too. So I'll try to leave a link to um any of the videos um in the description if you guys want to check them out. So, the last time Bill Ramsey appeared in public was in 1992 when he updated his progress. Just before his exorcism, the transformations were increasing in both frequency and seriousness. Once that, since that time, there have been no incidents recorded. So, like, at least not that we know of. But no one has been, been rampaging uncontrollably through the streets of South End on Sea in almost, for almost 15 years. Um, so, yeah. So, no one's really heard from him since so the exorcism. So, he's just... So, where is he? He's just living his life in South End? Supposedly, yeah. Yeah. So, like, in the Ed and Lorraine Warren um, interview that I'll leave a link to, mm -hmm. they kind of talk about, like, how he kind of just went back to normal. Um, and they talked to, like, he, they talked to him and, he, and Lorraine was, like, saying, like, how he was um, such a kind gentleman and, like, he was such a nice guy. But then this creature thing like overtook him and it's just not him mm -hmm. um and then ed mentioned it was something to the effect of like um basically the wolf possessing him not like not necessarily like a demon but it was like a wolf that possessed him so does he howl or is it just because like a werewolf is just super strong and, like is like super yeah like a mythical creature so i think there is like growling for sure i, I don't know could be a bear <laughs> a badger a werebear a honey badger Oh, yeah. Um, like a wolverine. He could be wolverine man. <laughs> I guess just werewolf is. <laughs> so you don't like werewolf? You like a different creature? I mean... <laughs> this is I, some serious I thought. <laughs> I don't care. It's like... Yeah. He, he could be a werewolf. Werewolf sells the pap sells papers. Yeah, I think that's clips. part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. So yeah, it, it's not like he grew um, you know, like facial hair and stuff and like hair all over. It that would just, be cool. That would be terrifying if that happened. I think this um, is more terrifying. Just him mm -hmm. lashing out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Scary. But yeah, so, so supposedly now he's back to normal. And unless he's dead. Yeah, I don't know that either. It's kind or of Or like locked away. Either. Yeah, that's true too. And I did see too that like in another interview, apparently he went back to the police station every once in a while, like when you felt these episodes coming on to be locked in a cell. Why? Oh, okay. That's yeah. why. All right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how yeah. stupid. You're going to go back there again and bite and injure people? <laughs> no. Like go to a. Yeah. Yeah, he like Dude. is actually trying to be safer. Like, oh, that's good. Yeah, but yeah, I would get more psychological tests done. Mm -hmm. I'm reading. They said that they did. Um, he didn't show any signs of schizophrenia or other mental illness, and he had no brain tumors. Because I was thinking maybe it was a brain tumor. Yeah, that's true. No yeah. brain tumors. So. I would still get tests done. Like, there's something going on. There's some, yeah. Yeah, the whole idea of, like, possession and stuff, it terrifies me. It's, you know, it's all throughout history, you know, 
whether or not like i, I don't think it's a mental it. i think it's a mental dis- something weird something that they don't know what it is yet yeah so these lorraine and wait, what the heck are the, the other people's name lorraine and what bobbit ed, ed there we go <laughs> bobbit. is there a bobbit in this story to just come up with a bobbit no i don't think there's any bobbit okay so lorraine and ed did they they just were like well on your way they didn't have a theory they thought he was just possessed pretty much yeah okay mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have like the link if you want to watch. It's like a half hour TV show interview thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like about um, how Lorraine was trying to, she was calling all over trying to get a hold of anybody who knew about um, mm-hmm. about Bill, just like trying to get in touch with anybody that knew how to get in contact with him and stuff. And it took a while, actually. And I think it was like right before they were supposed to head back to the US that they finally got in touch with um, the police officers in South End um, or South, yeah, wherever Bill was. Um, so. so do you think it's a demonic? possession katrina do i think so mm-hmm. i mean it's plausible i think it's more of like a mental thing because the other thing too with like exorcisms i've heard so many stories of like people that had nothing wrong with them but people just thought like their mental state was wrong so like it's like kids who like had like liked certain things right or thought they were like you know gay or whatever right mm-hmm. people especially back in like the 1900s or whatever earlier thought they oh, were probably possessed too so there's stories of kids like being forced in this room with just the priest and like, maybe one other adult and forced to sit in a chair as they get screamed at oh that's and it's, lovely it's like it's the worst thing and so like torture and they, it is yeah so basically what they like after being yelled at for hours and hours and hours not having like any food or water or anything you start to break and so like that's when they, they scream and like <sighs> so they're <laughs> so causing you like, some mental di- they're giving you a mental disorder rather than like f- than fixing exercise. fixing some fake one that they came up with yeah, basically, because, like, at the end, like, there's this, I don't remember where I heard that story, but there was a kid that got screamed at for hours, and they finally just, like, played along to make it stop. Oh, yeah, there's, um, I can't remember what the actual term is, but there's instances of this happening all the time with, um, arrests, like, police yeah, interrogations. Act- what is it called? False, uh, false confessions. Yeah. Or- yeah, something like it that. Just yeah. hours and hours and hours of like a person, yeah, just getting interrogated, interrogated, interrogated. Yeah, and then and yep, they yeah, you just want it to stop. So you're just like, yep, yeah, and that can get you like yeah put you in jail or worse and that's horrible so yeah so that's a very real thing too that like could have been you know what bill went through but i think what they said was like it was only like a half an hour thing so i don't know it is all recorded too okay so yeah so you can watch it if you'd like (laughs) if you're not creeped out like i am i might watch it in the daytime yeah that'd be that'd be smart yeah yeah not in the night yep you just see Inko walk up behind you as this is playing on your screen. <laughs> She's so cute. She is cute. Then she starts mm-hmm. walking on two legs. I would be still be I would still be kind of cute at first, and then I get creeped out. <laughs> okay. There's like stories too, like where I found this article that says twelve real werewolf cases throughout history. Oh, there's history. there's one. There's one. Peter the Wild Boy. so i have it pulled up right here so it was peter the wild boy happened in 1725 he was found wandering naked on all fours through a german forest many thought he was a werewolf or at least raised by wolves Mm -hmm. and peter ate with his hands and couldn't speak 
He eventually adopt he was eventually adopted by the courts of King George the First and King George the Second, and lived out his days as their pet in oh, England. That's sad. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's sick. Um, research has shown Peter likely had Pitt Hopkins syndrome, which is a condition that was discovered in 1978. So just think this happened in 1725, and they just found out what this was in 1978. So. Pitt Hopkins syndrome, it causes lack of speech, seizures, distinct facial features, difficulty breathing, and intellectual challenges. Oh, man. Yep. Is this like, this might be very sad, but like, is this where like the story of Mowgli, you know, the Jungle Book came from? There's, yeah, the, but there, it's not this one. There's another oh, okay. one. There's a real life one that was actually raised by wolves. Okay. Oh, and if anyone listened to last week's episode, we were talking about where the heck Bambi takes place. And it's just <laughs> like, like, it's apparently Maine. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So Dina, or is it Dinah? Dinah? I think it's Dina or Dinah. Okay. Um, San Sanichar, so S A N I C H A R, was raised by wolves in India's Uttar Pradesh jungle until hunters found him in 1867 and brought him to an orphanage. He would later serve as Rudyard Kipling's inspiration for the character of Mowgli. And there's actually a picture of him if you want to take a look, but okay. kind of has a sad life. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, so hunters, so he spent like his, Dina spent like his first um, few years of his life thinking he was a wolf, and then hunters discovered him lying in a cave, they took him to an orphanage, so there missionaries tried to teach him all the things he never learned, starting with the basics, walking and talking, however, the gulf between human behavior and animal instinct proved too wide for Dina, so... Yeah, it didn't end the way the Disney's, you know, the Disney movie ends. That's for sure. Yeah. Isn't that kind of amazing, though, that wolves actually raised him? Like, to me, that's kind of cool. They took him in and, like, actually raised him. I mean, we don't know if that happened, for sure. Like, okay. Like, right? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Like, they thought, they, they, this, these hunters that were, that found him, he was like in a cave and they assumed that like wolf, oh. like a wolf was guarding it oh okay so i mean i we don't they don't yeah there isn't proof but it makes for a good story that's true <laughs> so he was when they found him he was probably like five or six they think oh wow yeah so he preferred to eat raw meat and he had trouble standing on two feet so like we've seen um like like on tiktok and stuff like the um <laughs> animals that will adopt other animals as their babies like orphan them i don't know if they would do that for like a human fair yeah maybe what happened to him maybe he was raised by squirrels (laughs) that would be cooler raised by squirrels i'm trying to figure out what happened to him okay so he never learned how to speak he learned what like the meanings of the words meant but he could never speak himself at least that's something. Though. He could at least communicate in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. So he did learn to stand upright, and he began to dress himself, and he even picked up um, a bad habit of smoking cigarettes. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, here's an interesting little tidbit. I had no idea. So 
Dina or Dinah was not the only wolf child living at the Sinca sorry, the Sicandra Mission Orphanage at the time. If um, Superintendent Lewis, the head of that place, is to be believed, he was joined by two other boys and one girl who were also said to have been raised by wolves. That's a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. So according to one geographer, the orphanage took in so many wolf children over the years that they no longer looked up when another kid was discovered in the jungle. Their, dis- their discovery created more surprise than the delivery of the daily supply of butcher's meat. That's like a quote in probably somebody's journal. That's insane that there's that many kids that are just like abandoned in the forest. Mm-hmm. In fact, stories of children raised by wolves have popped up all across India. In most cases, the missionaries caring for the children were the only sources. So whether they were really feral remains up for debate. So they could just be mm-hmm. bad behaved orphans. Or they just... Yeah. Lied. <laughs> well, they lied <laughs> for funding. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a valid point. Yeah. What happened to Dina? Oh, here's one. So Oksana Malaya was a Ukrainian girl born in the '90s. Was raised by stray dogs after her alcoholic parents left her outside when she was just a baby. So she was when she was taken into custody by social workers, she couldn't speak and moved around on all fours. And after years of therapy, she learned how to speak Russian. And now she, well, when this was, when she was interviewed, her and her boyfriend, they work on a farm caring for animals. Well, that's cool. So there's a lot of these different kind of stories. I feel like dogs, though, are pretty nurturing. Like, they yeah. take care of, like, a lot of animals. Like, I've seen ducks. They give you kisses. <laughs> they do give you kisses, yes. Mm-hmm. They take care of cats. Kendra's. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. All right, Wanderers, we hope you enjoyed this second episode in our Spooktober series. If you have any suggestions for any future episodes, we'd love to hear from you guys. So please feel free to send us an email at fwplisteners at gmail.com. And as always, new episodes of the FWP are out on Wednesday, Thursday from wherever you get your podcast from. And if you'd like, please consider leaving a review. It was a five-star rating on Spotify. Yeah, that would be very helpful. Thank you. We're a four-star. Like, I'm not picked. (laughs) And thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.